Well, today we are taking a pause from our Explore God series because I kind of have my radar out that anytime we have an opportunity to sit down with someone who is a, a world-impacting leader, we try to rope them in. And so if you were here a few months ago, Pat Gelsinger, the CEO of Intel, came by and shared with us about his ministry in the workplace. And as I was talking to Pastor Mark, who's our missions pastor a few weeks and months ago, uh, Mark was saying, hey, just so you know, Pastor Daniel and his wife Erica from Uganda will be here at the end of September. And I said, can I please steal them? And I love to, to have Daniel share a little bit about the work that God is doing through their ministry in, uh, in Eastern Africa. If you're new to our church or are not familiar with our, our missions program, Three Crosses has a very distinct and beautiful way of impacting the world with the gospel. We love missions at our church. It's been part of our hallmarks forever. Last year, for example, through the ministry of our church and the partnerships we've created, we were able to invest over $2 million in God's global work in one year alone, which is a huge percentage of our budget. And yet this is something that happens a lot of times behind the scenes as folks faithfully give towards missions, as we build partnerships for missions, and as we go out around the world and look for movements of God in countries that are closed to Western connection with the gospel. And so at this point, how many countries are we supporting, Mark, at this point? 23, 23 countries. How many local pastors in those 23 countries? Just Three Crosses alone is supporting 800 churches from 23 countries around the world. And when Mark says just our church alone, part of what Pastor Mark has been able to do is start a nonprofit in the last few years called 360 Serve. And what they do is they go connect with other churches who are trying to figure out how to do global missions. And we say, hey, we would love to help, help you invest in God's global work in these countries we have around the world. So 800 pastors are supported just in our church. And so in every country that we are part of, we have a movement leader, like Pastor Daniel, and then we've got a network of pastors that are going out and planting churches and establishing churches all over the regions of the world, and so we have seen millions and millions of people come to Christ just in the last 12 months through our Global Missions program. And so today, I want to sit down with Pastor Daniel from Uganda and have him share a little bit about what God's doing in their country, share a little bit about his heart for ministry in that place, and a little bit about his background. Daniel is here in the States just for a couple weeks with his wife, Erica. Could you guys stand up so we get a wave at Daniel and Erica? We'll put their picture on the screen if you can't see them. But give a warm three crosses welcome to Pastor Daniel. Yes. How are you? Come on in. Guys. Guys. How you feel? Great. Great. Here we go. There we go. Well, I, I gave a, a bit of an introduction just of the partnerships that we have around the world, that Uganda is one of those. I wonder if you could tell us, when, when I say that we are partnered with you and you're a movement leader in Uganda, what does the movement in Uganda look like? What is, what is the ministry in Uganda? Thank you so much, Pastor Dan. Foremost, I just want to say hello to Three Crosses. I just want to greet you in the precious mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so privileged to be here to be able to share what the Lord is doing in our country through, three, through three crosses. You have done a tremendous work in Uganda. You may not even know how much your giving has affected thousands of people across Uganda. So we are here to say thank you so much for your giving, for your support, 
and for your prayers. And we say that may the Lord continue to bless you as you bless the people of Uganda and uh, Africa at large. I just want to come back to the question that you, you just brought up. Uh, we are so much privileged uh, that five years ago, we came to get in touch with Pastor Mark together with his beautiful wife. We call her Mama Tracy, or the mother of the nations. The mother of the nations. <laughs> I love that. They, you know, by that time, it, it had taken us over 20 years mm. praying and asking God to be able to connect us with the people who were passionate about missions. And through the 20 years, the Lord brought us in touch with Pastor Mark and Mama Tracy. And five years ago, they did not only connect with us, but they came to Uganda. They came to see what the Lord was doing uh, uh, in the country. And when they came, we were able to travel. We did few missions. And by that time, we had opened up 28 churches. And out of the 28, after they came, they came back and they prayed for us and they stood with us together with three crosses. And from that time until now, we are here to say uh, that 130 churches have been planted in the last five years. Tell us a little bit about, about what that looks like. When you, you train up a church planter, what, what, is it, what does it mean to be a church planter in Uganda? Being a church planter is not something so easy because our call is basically is we go down into the remotest areas. This is where no one wants to go. That is where we go. But when we go into these villages where Jesus has never been preached, we have some churches within the cities, but the churches within the cities, most of them don't want to go into the remote areas because they are so much down there. Let's say witchcraft. Uh, it is one of the things that's being practiced in our country. And so many villages in the country practice witchcraft because they don't know Christ and they've never heard about that. So what we do is that we select a leader and we disciple that person and then we send that person to be able to become a representative of the heaven into that community. And he goes by starting a, what we call a, a, a church house. So he goes into a church house and then they start from small and they keep on growing under trees on the veranda in the living room. And these are people who are so desperate. These are people who had even never known Christ. We always find them very, very poor, having nothing so poor and you may not even have this experience, but I, I always tell people that the hardest place for someone to be a pastor is Africa. Because most of the pastors are struggling pastors. They go through a lot. They are not paid. They don't have anything to give. They have no food. They have no place to stay. Their children don't go to school. It is always very hard. So these are the places where our hearts are. And these are places where we go to be able to plant churches in those areas. Wow. 
I think when you, we talk about it being difficult to do ministry in Africa because of various reasons, one of the reasons that you mentioned was just not having things to give. And I remember a story that you've told uh, about when you and Erica first got married and a, a passion that was on her heart to bring people into your home and you had to sell everything to do that. Will you tell us that story? Yeah, that's, yeah. by the time that we started the ministry, it was so hard. As I've said, that uh, being a pastor, a church plant in Africa, it is always a sacrifice. I mean, you, you, you just have to, to sacrifice, 100%. And uh, so we had the vision, we had the mission, but we did not have the capacity to be able to start up a church. So it had taken us long until when we found out that the burden was so much on us. So I came and I told my wife that, you know, this is what I feel on my heart. And I really feel like God is telling us to be able to start a church. And then we did not have anything, as I've told you. We were renting a house. Our children had not gone to school. We had no food at home to eat. Um, you know, spending a day without food, 24-7. You only take water, then popcorns and sleep. And uh, that was the time that I came to her. And I told her that, you know, I really feel the burden of starting a church. And I feel that, like the Lord is telling me to start up a church. So she told me that, but we don't have anything. So I told her that, yes, we don't have anything, but what do you feel? So she told me, she asked me, what do you feel the Lord is leading you? I told her that we can sell everything that we have in the house so that we can be able to start a church. We had to sell everything, mattresses, cups, plates. And we didn't even have much. But the little that we had into the house is what we sold out. And after selling them out, we got some little money that was less than $100. That's what we are looking at to be able to start a church. And that's what we sold. And that is, after getting that little money out of that, then we are able to start up a church 17 years ago. Wow. And you moved in the process, you moved into a one-bedroom house. Is that part of that story? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you got rid of all of your supplies, the cups and the plates. What did you fill your house with instead? I remember a story about filling it with a number of uh, people instead. Is that when you uh, brought some more kids into your home? Yeah, the story continues that after that, because we have been called by God, we know that we are mission-minded people. God called us to do missions. So from that time, after starting a church, just few like a year after, we went for a mission uh, five hours away from, from where we live. And then we had a one-week conference and a crusade, open-air crusade for evangelism. Uh, we had gone to plant a church in that area. And then Erica, my wife, is, she has uh, uh, the background of loving children because she was raised up in the orphanage center. And wherever she goes, she will always, children will always connect with her. It is like she's a magnet that brings all children all around. <laughs> and you, I mean, you, they just feel it. She will stand and children will just feel it. You see children coming closer to her. And when they come, now she starts to ask them, where are you coming from? Where do you have parents? Are you an orphan? And all that. So I know that that has always been her culture. So we went to this place and all these children came around her. So after the mission, uh, we were supposed to drive back home and then living in one bedroom house, 
having children living with us. Our children had no food, no clothes, have not been able to go to school. Everyone just stranded. Then Erica came after this mission and she said that she wanted to take 17 children back at home in our house. I told Erica, you know where we live. We are living in a muddy house. We have only one mattress for like six, seven people. We all sleep on that one mattress. We are so poor. And then Erica told me, we have to take these 17 children because they are orphans. I told her that, where are they going to sleep? She said that the Lord will make a way. I said, where are they, what are they going to eat? She said, God will provide. So I told her that was going to be very hard to bring the 17 children. She started crying. She told me, if I don't go with these children, I'm not going home. I was like, you are not going home? Beautiful wife to leave Erica in the village, remote area. I was like, now I need to do something. As a man, I had to convince her to leave the 17 children. We came back home to prepare for them. But at the end of the day, we had nothing to prepare because we had nothing. So she kept on crying through the weeks. And then, you know, happy wife, happy family. <laughs> so I, I, I told Erica that let's go and pick up the 17 children. We went, we picked up 17 children. We brought them at home in one bedroomed house. So we lived with them for, year, for years, praying and living, sharing torn mattresses into pieces and sharing every small meal that we had. Sometimes we could go without food. And that is how much the Lord has been able to bless us. We had the children, we brought them in. The Lord was so merciful that she has the passion for children and for orphans. And at some point, did your church get involved too? Did, beyond your household, did other people in your church start adopting folks, kids in the community too? Right after that, uh, we really felt like we needed to share the burden with the church because we never wanted the people to think that these are only our own children. So we read into the scriptures and we came to know about foster and adoption. I came into the, uh, I, I searched into the Bible then I found out that even Jesus was adopted because he was in the house of, of, of Joseph. And Joseph became the adopted father of Jesus. I looked into the Bible, then I saw Esther adopted by, by Mordecai. I saw Moses adopted by Pharaoh. And I saw many other different characters in the Bible. And I was like, really? So I came to the church, I taught about this in our church. And one time, I told the elders that I'm going to teach about adoption and foster in a biblical concept. And I'm going to give them an opportunity to the, the people to be able to adopt and foster. Fostering in Uganda is very different. Not like even when you foster, you are not given, the government can, does not give anything or even adoption. We are not supported 100%. So I said, we only had seven members, seven families in the church by that time. And then I came before the church and I stood, I taught about the biblical adoption and foster. I told them that God, we are also adopted into the family of God because we are not, we were orphans one time, but God brought us into his family. Now we call him Abba Father. 
because he's our father. He became our father. So I told, taught this in the church. And guess what? All the 17 children that we had taken, that we took into the church by that time, I brought them before the pulpit. And I told the people that people, these are God's children and these are our children. Whoever feels a call to support, whoever feels a call to adopt or foster, may you please come out. God surprisingly brought 17 people and the 17 children were adopted and fostered in one single service. I think we have a picture of some of your orphanage ministry in the church. Can we put the picture up of the kids? Tell us, this is more than 17. What, <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Did Erica just keep bringing more kids home to the house? Yeah, after that, after the 17 now, we found out that we had an opportunity to help many more. Because as you know, when God, when the 17 were taken away, we were like, Erica told me one time that she would, she would never be in the house without orphans. In the last 25 years of our marriage, we have fostered and adopted 55 children in 25 years. Even before our marriage, we already had children living with us. Erica told me, I will never live in the home, in the family, in the house without orphans. And when they were taken, now we had more space to bring in more. And this is what we have been doing. So the ones that you saw, we are now taking care of over 350 orphans. By the grace of God, because Uganda has over 2.5 million orphans. So there's still a great need to be able to support and help those children. Wow. It's amazing to see, kind of listening through your your story and uh, just the way that God used orphan care throughout, whether it's your upbringing or Erica's upbringing or stepping into a marriage relationship and her saying, I will never be in a house without orphans in it, and now 300 children see the common thread of caring for orphans in their distress in the midst of your life, which is, is beautiful. I wonder, as you look back at, how long have you been in ministry now? Uh, since 1992. So as you look back, are there any other things that you see are kind of common threads that God has done in your life or remarkable moments that, that you're thankful for? Yeah, I know that uh, there are so many things. One is I will never forget uh, the story where I was also uh, fostered because I was raised in a dysfunctional family. And uh, being raised in a dysfunctional family, my father separated with my mom while I was eight years, lived with my stepmom from the age of, uh, of eight to 10. Then 10 to 12, I went and lived with my grandmother. My grandmother was so poor that she couldn't even take care of me. From 10 to 12, I, then I decided to live by myself. From the age of 12, that's when I first rented my first house. So uh, renting my first house, life was very hard. And uh, I became a man at the age of 12. 12 to, to 14, life became very much more harder. And then uh, 12 to 14, then one time the, the devil told me to commit suicide because life was hard and I needed a lot to be able to fulfill the, you know, my day-to-day life. 
So the devil told me to commit suicide. And then the, the spirit of death covered me up. And I really felt like it was my time to commit suicide. I went to school under the mango tree where I was going to commit suicide from. And, and uh, I waited for all the students to come out of the school. And the time that I was going to commit suicide, right under the mango tree, this one child, Richard, came out. I had a rope in my hand, ready to commit suicide. And Richard called me by name. I never knew uh, that Jesus loved me enough that he was even under the mango tree waiting for me. So when Richard called me, I was, I feared because I thought no one was at the school campus. And then he told me, Daniel, what are you trying to do? I told him that I was going to commit suicide. He told me, don't commit suicide. Uh, you need Jesus. Then I knelt down. He led me into the prayer of salvation. I met Jesus under that mango tree where I was going to commit suicide from. That is the, a moment that I will never, ever forget in my life. Wow. Wow. So 14 years old, is that what you said? Yeah. 14 years old under the mango tree, and then fast forward, and now God is using you to share the gospel with thousands of men and women and kids all over the country of Uganda and beyond. We saw a picture of the kids in the orphanage. I'd love to show a couple other pictures, have you tell us what we're looking at. I think we've got this next one. Tell us what's going on in, uh, where is it? In, in here, what is this? This is one of the uh, churches being planted. This is how we start churches. They are always, uh, we always start like in a home, on the, ver on the veranda, and then after the church grows, then we are able to move out. So it's one of the churches planted in one of the remotest, remotest areas. As I said, we always go to where people, where no one want to go. And that is how we start the churches. So they are not so fancy like here, where there are OCs and electricity and everything. So our churches are always like that. And then, but people over there love the Lord. They pray, they fast, they seek the face of the Lord. And from there, we disciple them, we train them. And then we equip them to be able to go much more deeper, to be able to start more churches and plant more church houses. So that is part of the training that we had so that we may be able to send as many to be able to go and spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we go, we, this movement is covering the whole country. We are trying to reach out to even the remotest, to the remotest. And that was part of the training that was being done. Wow. And this next photo here, is this a training photo? The I think this is a photo of uh, church planters in Uganda. Do we have that photo too? Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's, that's one of the pictures when Pastor Mark first came. He came and these are some of the church planters that we started up ministry with. And behind is the church that we planted many years ago. So these were all pastors being equipped, they came for the training to be equipped and to be sent. Because one thing that I believe Pastor uh, Dan is that uh, like part of the ministry that we do, we believe that, uh, uh, the, the, we, we believe that the strength of the church is not in the sitting capacity, but the strength of the church is, is in the sending capacity. Wow. So what we do is we send as many 
than the ones we have in the church. So what we do is to equip and send. Equip and send. And that is the mission that we have. And we believe that in the next few years, we are going to be having thousands and thousands of churches planted across Uganda. Wow. And so the, you equip and send these pastors. And part of what, where we come in as a church is that uh, we don't, just so everyone knows, we don't do training. You guys do all the training. We don't, do, uh, we don't teach you guys how to church planning. You teach us how to do church planning. All that we come in and we provide is some funds that help these church planters provide for their needs, $50 a month for each of these church planting pastors as they go. Can you give us a glimpse of what $50 a month, what that provides in their ministry context? Please allow me to say thank you so much, Three Crosses, again. Thank you so much for your donation, for your contribution, for your support, and for your prayers. $50 a month has transformed lives of church planters in Uganda. You may not be able to know how much your giving has affected uh, thousands of people. Many people have been baptized because of your 50 donation, $50 donation. Pastors have been able to get food right now, and now they are encouraged to walk from one place to another to be able to plant churches. $50 has been able to reunite families. I'm telling you that some of the families were dysfunctional because, you know, they have been lacking food. They have been lacking school fees for their children. They have not been able to take care of their own family. But the $50 support has been able to bring families together. Now, pastors are happy. Their wives are happy. Their children are happy. The church is also happy to see their pastor putting on a new shirt, putting on a new pair of shoe, having something to drink, so, and then to eat. So I'm here to say that $50 have been able to support a great number of pastors. And it's a lot that is, uh, that's being used out of that. So we are here to say thank you so much. We cannot even stop saying that because three crosses have been a blessing. We thank God for you, Pastor. We thank God for the leadership of the church. We thank God for the missions, Pastor. And we thank God for each and every one of you who have been a blessing to give $50. That has transformed lives of church planters in Africa. We say again, thank you. Yes, thank you for... For those of you who support and come alongside our missions program, this is, you know, the, the amount, $50 a month, is slightly different in some of the various countries that we support because it really is based on what, what would be the right amount to support the tangible needs of folks so that they can go and work full-time in ministry. And you know, I, th I think, what Mark can tell you this, but I think one of the things that makes our ministry program so unique is... It's not like a marketing gimmick to say $50 a month. Part of it, in order to enter into partnership with us, you have to show that we can actually get literal $50 into the hands of every church planter every single month. And so you guys have all these structures where you bring folks together monthly and distribute funds and all that. Uh, and so it's just a, a, our desire is to not get in the way at any level, but to come alongside and say, God is obviously doing something amazing in your country. Are there ways that, that we can help? 
And, and this is one way that, that it feels that we can help. And so many of us, right, if there's 800 pastors around the world that our church supports, that's 800 of us who are giving $50 a month towards, uh, towards global missions in that vein. If you want to jump into that, we have some profiles out in the Mission Center today. You're welcome to grab one on your way out or go to our missions website anytime. That's kind of the bread and butter of our missions program. And yet, there's some projects that we do above and beyond that. Right? During COVID, we were able to come alongside and help with funding for the orphanage in Uganda and places around the world. Um, and one place, we've got this photo. This is why I'm building up to I saw this photo and I had to put it on the screen. Can we put up the photo with the, uh, what is this photo right here? <laughs> Let me thank you three crosses again. <laughs> you, you are so amazing. You are so amazing. You know God is doing something and we prayed for over 20 years to be able to get people who are trustworthy, people of integrity, to be able to stand with us. The one you see is a church planter leading so many churches around him. Getting a motorcycle, this man getting a motorcycle was walking over seven hours every Friday, gets there on Saturday, and then do the service on Sunday, sleeps at the church on Sunday, and moves Monday to be able to go back home. So giving him a motorcycle to be able to do the work of the ministry, that was something that he has never dreamt in his life. No pastor, no church planter in Uganda who has never told us that after receiving this motorcycle, it took me over two weeks to process uh, that it belongs to him. Because most of them thought that as we give it out, after day, we shall come back and get it away from him. <laughs> and others thought that when he keeps it in the house, thieves will come and break into. So the motorcycle will always be just where he sleeps. And it is what is happening even right now because that means a lot. And out of that, now they have been able to use the motorcycles to move from one community to another community to be able to do the work of the ministry. That's why you see that there is a lot of baptisms taking place because those men and those women have been able to move out. Recently, when we were in Uganda with the pastor, Mark and Mama Tracy, there is uh, over 400 people we are baptized in one, single, in one single service. And that was so great because these people move out and they go and evangelize and then after. But going to that baptism service, we, they had to go on one truck. One truck had to carry over 300 to 400 people. That is something, they are witnesses of that, they can always tell you, because there was a need for that. But we wouldn't have been able to do that if three crosses had not stood with us to be able to support such people. So we say, those people are champions, they go out into the field, but you are more than that, because you are the ones who help us to accomplish what God has called us to do. Well, thank you, yes. Just so you guys know, the hardest part about interviewing someone like Pastor Daniel is trying to get him to brag about what's happening in his country because all he wants to do is brag about the Lord and thank us. Um, and yet we say to you, thank you for submitting your lives to the Lord, for the work that God is doing through you. 
We know that God is working through you. We just got a glimpse. I know you're, as they're here in the States, they've got some speaking engagements as they represent Uganda with Orphan Care Ministry globally. And um, God is doing a lot through you with the lives of the individual children in your home and in your care, with the church planting network you oversee, and even kind of a global movement of orphan care that you're part of. And so thank you for spending time with us. I would love to pray for you. If you could give us, just as we go from here, what are, what are ways as we remember Uganda and remember you and Erica in prayer, how do we pray for you? Uh, yeah, prayer is so much needed. And uh, I think one of the things that we are asking uh, that the church may be able to rise up and be able to do what God has called the purpose, what God has called the church to do. And I always find this in James 1.27. So our prayer is, I know we have so many needs, but I think the first need is let the church rise up and be able to do James 1.27. True and undefined religion is to take care of orphans and widows. That would be my prayer request that let the church in Uganda rise up and do James 1.27. I want to pray for you, but before we lose the opportunity to do so, can we thank Pastor Daniel and Eric for being with us today? Amen. Amen. And if you guys would stand with us, let's all stand together and, and commit this to prayer, you guys to prayer. Let's pray. Father, we... We lift up this request that Pastor Daniel brought before us, that the church of Uganda would rise up and live out the, the trueness of religion you call us to. The pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is this, to care for or- orphans and widows in their distress and keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. I thank you that the work that they are doing is uh, rescuing children from uh, fatherlessness at a a physical, tangible human level, but also providing for them connection with their heavenly father at a spiritual and eternal level. So we pray for these 300 plus kids who are in the orphanage now that as they grow in their faith, they would be equipped to rise up and live out this mission in their generation as parents and as adoptive parents of kids that are in their world, that the church of Uganda would be known as a church that cares well for those who are in need. We pray the same thing of us, that uh, James 1.27 is not just for uh, East Africa, it's for the East Bay as well. And so you pray that this would be a place where we care well for one another, care well for those in the community, and that the world looking on would take notice as they see that the church takes care of those in need in the world. We thank you for their willingness to be here and pray blessings on their ministry that the church of Uganda would rise up and live out this mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.